as we explore the book of Acts chapter number 19, chapters number 19 and chapter 20 today. Um, we are trying to rush this today because I believe that it's just a... Uh, there are not a lot of things to break out in Greek or Hebrew, so it's quite straightforward. But by way of a replay or review or uh, by way to um, start this um, chapter, let's have a, a, a sneak overview of um, chapters number, chapter number 18 we had on um, last week, Thursday, I believe. Um, we realized that Paul had come from um, the Corinthian region and then had come to Caesarea, was going to Jerusalem because he wanted to be part of the um, Pentecost feast celebration. And the Bible speaks on how he had gone to that region and there was a man by the name of, you know, Apollos who had come from, Alex a guy from Alexandria had come to Ephesus. So what I'm going to do right now is to give you, uh, let's read together the last couple of verses of chapters number, uh, here we go. Yes, chapter number 18, verses 24, I believe. We'll read from verse 24 to 28, okay? So if you have your Bibles, let's read. I'm going to wait for you. Actually, I'm going to wait for one minute to get your Bibles. Last week, I was very fast. Or I think I was a bit quick because I didn't have to share my screen. I may not share my screen all through. It might depend. It might depend. Okay, so I just want to wait for you. Let me get you guys on board on here. Okay. All right, just to make sure that you can see me all over this platform. Okay. I want to share you on my social media while we wait, while we wait, while we wait. Okay. Bible study. All right. If you are there already, Acts chapter number 18, we just um, read the last couple of verses. Then we're going to Acts chapter number 19 today. Okay, let's read. The Bible says, now a certain now a certain Jew named Apollos, born at Alexandria, an eloquent man and mighty in the scriptures, came to Ephesus. This man had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in the spirit, he spoke and thought and taught accurately the things of the Lord, though he knew only the baptism of John. So as far as we know, this guy by the name of Apollos, who was mighty in scriptures, fervent in the spirit, and eloquent in speech, he had a complete revelation of the, uh, I call it the Jonanine, the Jonanine doctrine, the, the, the John the Baptist doctrine of baptism or repentance, um, salvation by repentance, uh, which is expressed by baptism until the last time. And also, uh, he had a, a, a message of the partial work of John and the full, complete work of Christ coming. So the Bible says that he only knew the baptism of John. I gave you three, uh, three drivers for John's baptism, which is repentance, which is expression of baptism, and also a coming one who would complete the work of salvation. And what was ahead of them was the cross, the resurrection, and the baptism of the Spirit. That was post-John. The Bible says in verses number 26, so, when, so he began to speak boldly in the synagogue. 
When Aquila and Priscilla heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. So what he knew was repentance according to John, baptism according to John, and Jesus coming to complete the work of salvation according to John. What he did not know, what he was lacking, was the cross, the resurrection, and then he was lacking the baptism of the Spirit. That was the complete uh, gospel. The Bible says in 27, and, and when he desired to cross to Achaia, which actually uh, we have Corinth. Um, we, I told you the last time Achaia is the um, it's a province of, um, it's, a, it's a Roman province, uh, very wealthy and uh, the center for commercial and political governance. The Bible says, so he decided to go to Corinth. The brethren wrote, exalting the disciples to receive him. And when he arrived, it greatly helped those who were believed, who had believed through grace. For he vigorously refuted the Jews publicly, showing them the scripture that Jesus is the Christ. So what he was showing them right now was what he lacked before. So what he was showing them right now was what he, he didn't have that in, 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 in Ephesus, but now he has it at Corinth. And the reason why I'm taking you back to verse number 24 is because the first seven verses of the next chapter, which is chapter number 19, we're going to do that today, um, will give us an overview, okay? So now, we, now that we know that, welcome everybody. Thank you for joining. God bless you. All right, right about now, we want to jump into chapter number 19 of the book of Acts, okay? Let me drink my water, then we'll start. Right. Let's roll. Are you ready? Let's roll. I try as much as possible to be very slow. Maybe not very slow, but to be slow. And then we're going to take it from there. But thank you everyone for joining today. God bless you. Let's roll. Verse number one of chapter number 19. I'd like for you to bring your Bibles. I really, really, really want you to bring your Bible out. Bibles out. Because I don't want you guys to be lazy believers. Let's read anyway. There are times I might not read from the a screen i might just read from my ipad let me open up open up my ipad now acts chapter number 19 so that's just in case i'm not reading now. right let's read from the nkjv the bible says and it happened while apollos was at Corinth, like we read before so the first seven verses of chapters chapter number 19 would deal with apollos it happened while apollos was at Corinth that paul having passed through the upper regions, had come to Ephesus. Remember, Paul was at Ephesus with Aquila, Aquila, Aquila and Priscilla and had gone to Caesarea to speak with the, the apostles and then had gone to the other churches to strengthen them. The Bible says that he had come to Ephesus, he's come back to Ephesus. And finding some disciples, he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? He asked his guys, he's come to Ephesus that he was. Remember, he did spend time at Ephesus. And he came to Ephesus, spent a couple of time there, and went to Caesarea because he wanted to be around for the Pentecost festival, a feast. And then he's going to strengthen the churches. And this is Paul's third missionary journey. And now he's come back now to Ephesus while Apollos had gone to Corinth. The Bible says, so Apollos left, sorry, uh, Paul left, Apollos came. Right, does that make sense? And finding some disciples, he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So these guys were believers, they were disciples. 
But he asked them a perfect question. Did, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Let's see what they will say. So they say to him, we have not so, we have not so much heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. So they are believers, but they have no clue whether there is a Holy Spirit. Are they saved? Yes, they are saved. That's what the Bible calls them. But they are believers. This tells us they are believers unto the teachings of John, just like Apollos was. Apollos was at Ephesus at the same time. It looks like Apollos was, was one of these guys. So I said that they, are, they all have the Apollos syndrome. The Apollos syndrome is a one-sided doctrine. A one-sided, a one, a one, or you could say a, a, a one-sided sermon. Now the Bible says that he was eloquent, he was fervent in spirit, he, he knew the ways of the Lord, but he was one-sided. So it looks like these were cliques, these were John the Baptist movement. We call him, these are the, the Baptist movement. Okay, so if you're a Baptist, well, please, praise Jesus. So these were the Baptist movement. They, they believe in repentance, salvation by repentance. They believe in water baptism. And they believe also that Jesus was coming to complete the work of salvation. So these guys were like Apollos. I believe Apollos was one of these guys. Until he broke loose and was set free because there was Priscilla and Aquila. Does that make sense? Aquila and Priscilla. So the Bible says, you know, we, don't, we haven't heard if there's such thing as the Holy Spirit. In verse number three, say to them, then into what then were you baptized? And they said into John's baptism. So John's baptism was a very, very, very uh, popular kind of doctrine back in the day. John's movement was amazing. John actually John had disciples before Jesus. So John's movement across across nations of the world, across it's gone beyond Jerusalem, and it's come to Ephesus, Asia Minor. Um, it's interesting when we read the last couple of the last chapters, we realized that I think chapter seventeen as well, um, the Lord refused for Paul to go to Asia. So Paul first had his first missionary journey um, in Iconium, Derby, Lystra, in the Galatian region, and then Paul was going to Bithynia and Phrygia. The Lord refused him, and then Paul went to Macedonia, which is which was Europe, Philippi rather, Philippi, Macedonia, which was Europe. Philippi is the border. Um, the harbor, rather, the harbor of Macedonia. It came to, obviously, came to the Philippi, there's Amphipolis, Apollonia, Thessalonica, Berea, Athens, Corinth, Europe. Europe. And now Paul would want, the, the third missionary region would be Asia Minor. So we're going to spend time to talk about Ephesus. Because Ephesus seemed to be the capital city of the Asia, of Asia Minor. Bigger than Corinth, richer than Corinth, more known than Corinth. It was amazing. It was a tourist site. Everything better than Corinth. So it's going to be an amazing read. The Bible says, into John's baptism. So John's baptism was a kind of movement. So we were baptized, but into John's baptism, partial gospel. And the truth is that the partial gospel is not a complete gospel. You can actually be accurate in what you know, but you may not be complete. Does that make sense? You might be accurate in your truth, but not complete. And that's the truth. A lot of people have what you call a one-sided perfection. Very accurate in what they believe, but they haven't seen the other side of the full picture. So what these guys were, they were accurate in their pixels, but until the cross, the resurrection, and then the baptism, you don't have a picture. What makes the gospel the gospel? It's not just the repentance unto John, it's not the baptism unto John, and it's not the teaching of the coming Christ unto John, but the cross, the resurrection, and then the baptism of the Spirit is what makes the gospel complete. And the Bible says, Then Paul said to them, John indeed baptized with the baptism of repentance, like I said before, saying to the people that they should believe on him who, had, who would come after him, which is the Christ. So even though John was bapt baptizing them to Metaniah to change your mind, 
it was pointing them to a coming one. Does that make sense? It was pointing them to a common one. In verse number five, now John's baptism, Paul writes here, John indeed baptized with the baptism of Metaniah. Repentance is a change of mind. Does that make sense? The Bible says, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is on Jesus Christ. So John was preparing the way for Christ to come. He was the annuncier. In verse number five, when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Remember, they were baptized in the name of John, or they were baptized in the baptism of John. Now they are baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, the Lord Jesus, Curios Jesus. Does that make sense? So they have a complete revelation now. Bible says, and when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Now the men were about twelve in all. Now it takes about ten men to form a synagogue. So these guys would make up what you call the synagogue. Does that make sense? So these guys are uh, they could make up the synagogue because they're they're more than ten. They're more than they're about twelve. So these guys are the new believers now. Not just baptism unto John, but these guys have become like Apollos, who had a full revelation from Priscilla and Aquila, and now these from Paul. The Bible says in verse number 8, And he went into the synagogue and spoke boldly for three months. So Paul went into the synagogues of you know, Ephesus and reasoned with them, Bible says, persuading and persuading concerning the things of the kingdom of God. I love this. When Paul went to the synagogue, Paul was reasoning with them, Diagonogia, you know, Anogia rather, uh, about things pertaining to the kingdom of God. It reminds me of, 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 of chapter number one, the Bible says that when Jesus was with them um, for 40 days, he was teaching them the thing that pertains to the kingdom of God. Again, Paul was teaching on them, teaching them the thing that pertains to the kingdom of God. But when some were hardened and did not believe, but spoke evil of the way. I like that word, they spoke evil of the way. Now this were, this was the name of the, of the Christian church. We are called the way. Not Christian. Christian became a derogatory term. Like I mentioned to you the last time, for the Romans, when you follow a leader, they add an I-A-N as a suffix to your name. Like Herod, Herodians. Christ, Christians. But the original name of this new found faith is called the people of the way. Does that, does that make sense? They are called the way. Bible says, but spoke evil of the way before the multitudes. And Bible says, he departed from then and withdrew from and withdrew the disciples reasoning daily in the school called Tyrannus. Now, Jesus had come, sorry, Jesus, Paul had come to um, this region, he's come to the synagogue. And the Bible says he was there for three months. He was exalting, he was teaching, he was pouring for three months. And the Bible said there were some few guys, some Jewish guys who, for some reason, um, became very hardened and did not believe. They began to speak evil of Paul and evil of the church the way. Bible says, and Paul depart, departed from the synagogue and took the disciples along and went to a school nearby, literally a few blocks down the line, down the road rather, and it was called the school of Tyrannus. All right, it was a school, uh, it was a public space for like a lecture hall. And we believe that Paul would hire this place for, uh, for about three, about two years. Read that later. The Bible says, and this continued for two years. So Paul was actually teaching them for two years. The Bible says, so that all who dwelt in Asia, in the Ephesus region. And, and to make you understand Ephesus, I want to show you my screen. It's Ephesus region. The Bible says that all who dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord, but Jews and Greeks. Let's look at Asia, right? 
I want to bring it to my little note, my screen, okay? All right, I'm going to bring it here. Now, this is Asia. I'm going to bring this part here. See that part, Asia. If you look at the book of Revelation, you find all these churches there, right? That's Asia. You find Ephesus, Smyrna, Pagamos, Sardis, Thyatira, Philadelphia, Laodicea. You find Colossae there and Aeropolis. Now, a Ephesus actually, I call Ephesus, if you look at Ephesus here, Ephesus is the capital city. Are you following? Ephesus is the capital city. And the Bible says it's profound that Paul now has come to this Ephesus region, right? He was formerly here in the Galatian region, right? Then he was actually in Iconium and Lystra and Derby. And now Paul finally went to Macedonia. See that? I told you before, he went to Amphipolis, Philippi, Neapolis, Berea, Thessalonica, Apollonia, and all. But now in Paul's third missionary journey, Paul had come to Ephesus. See what the Bible says, right? The Bible says in verse number 10, And this continued for two years, so that all who dwelt in Asia, what do you mean Asia? We are talking about this region. Talking about this region. Pagamos, Thyatira, Sardis, Smyrna. Revelation chapter number 2 and 3 will make you see that region. If you look at the book of Revelation chapter number 2 and 3, you find Ephesus, Smyrna, Pagamos, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, Ladies here. We have other places like, you know, Heropolis. You have, you know, uh, Neapolis in this region as well. You have Colossae in this region as well. So this is called the Asia Minor or Asia. So this is where Paul did his third missionary journey, all from Antioch. And from Antioch, it goes to Galatia, chapter 13 and 14. From That's the first missionary journey. From Antioch, it went to um, um, uh, Europe through Philippi, Macedonia, chapter 17 and 18. And now we have uh, from Antioch again, Syria, because he went to Jerusalem after it's come from Corinth. It's come now to Antioch again. So it's, it's come now to Ephesus again, which is the third missionary journey. So Paul had left the synagogue because he had a lot of people troubling. And he's taught at the school of Tyrannus for about two years. But see what's going to happen. Let's watch what's going to happen. The Bible says that, you know, it continued for two years so that all who dwelt in Asia heard of the word of the Lord Jesus. So guess what? All who dwelt in Asia. It's interesting that when John wrote to the book, to the believers, to the churches in Asia Minor, They've heard of the word. Does that make sense? And that's why there was a lot of commendation and condemnation. Because when Paul came to the Asian region, Paul was already speaking with them already. Look at them. Ephesus is there. Smyrna, Pagamon, Sardis, Philadelphia, Laodicea. here. All these guys were there already. So when 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 he wrote to the church, when when John wrote to the church of um, the seven churches in Asia Minor, and that's why the Lord had condemnation because this, listen, Paul and the rest of the guys have done their homework already. Why aren't you hearing? All right, let's go back again to a screen and continue our reading. All right, let's roll. Now the Bible says in verses number eleven. Now God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul. Now, this Asian region, they were having a fever. God was moving. Bible says God worked what unusual miracles. I think, I think I love the word unusual. There were miracles in the Bible. We've seen Paul, you know, cast out demons. You know, we find a lot of miracles in the scriptures. We find demons, you know, expelled. We find the sick healed. But this is called an unusual miracle. I like this. Why was it called an unusual miracle? Because it is not the common, usual. It is not a 
the usual thing. And it's not a miracle that you you expect. It happens. It's beyond your comprehension. I will show you the reason why. Now, unusual doesn't mean doctrinal. Unusual means that God does what God would do because God is God. So God can decide to do unusual miracles, not because we not because we qualify for it, because God. See, when it comes to miracles, yeah, miracles is not healing. Miracles is one of the gifts of the Spirit, right? But the Bible calls this unusual. It means that there are dimensions of miracles that it's not common. It's an uncommon miracle. I will explain something for you in a moment. Bible says in verse number 12, so that even the handkerchiefs or aprons we are brought from his body to the sick and the diseases left them and the evil spirits went out of them. So the reason why it's unusual, Paul was using materials, using some other things to perform miracles. It's unusual because it's not the conventional laying of hands and casting demons. It is not the conventional turning around and saying, Spirit, lift them. It is unusual because this method of healing and exercising demons is different, just like Peter's shadow would heal. These are unusual stuff. What are unusual miracles? Unusual miracles are miracles that you do not rehearse. They, are, they cannot be comprehended. They cannot be, you cannot, you cannot fathom it. It's, it's, it, is, it's, it is God's working outside of your comprehension. An example could be, I can't come, I might come to church on a Sunday and I say, well, lift up your right hand or lift up your phones and you lift up your phones at church. I'll say, put your phones in your chest, on your chest or put your phones on your head or put your phones on and then boom, miracles begin to happen. That's unusual. It's not a doctrine, but God can do what God can do. In essence, in this kind of miracle, God would use the foolish things of this word to confound the wise. You hearing me? God would use the foolish things of this word. It's unusual. Unusual miracles are miracles like spitting on your eyes and saying, look up and be healed. Unusual miracles is like shutting the door and saying, wake up. Unusual miracle is like going down to Nain and saying to a casket open, I say, right. These are miracles that are not rehearsed. These are not the conventional day-to-day -day I mean, there are miracles day-to-day. -day. We find common miracles like healing the sick, the blind, receive their sight. These are unusual. God can do unusual miracles. And I think for us in this place today, I'd like for us to believe for unusual miracles. The miracle you feel like cannot happen. That's what God does. Unusual miracles. That's what the Bible says. Okay, you cannot comprehend it. It's it cannot. It's unusual. It's not common. So there were common miracles when Jesus would heal the people. They would bring the people to Him. But there were also uncommon miracles. For instance, I might come to church on Sunday and just bring out my apron and you know, or my 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 face towel or my 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 uh, handkerchief or, or something there or maybe water or something. So, but that is not the doctrine, and that's what I want you guys to know today. It is not a doctrine. It it might be unusual, but it shouldn't be a doctrine. All right, it shouldn't be a doctrine. Just imagine if, if the way like I, I, I heard, my, uh, was it um, uh, let me, let's leave that. I was gonna say what I heard, but let's leave that. Don't create a doctrine from an encounter you cannot find replicated in the Bible. Does that make sense? It's unusual. It is not a doctrine. Doctrines are consistent. This is not consistent. Does that make sense? The Bible says in verse number thirteen. Then some of the itinerant. Now the word itinerant there is a mistranslation. Other translation will tell you vagabonds. The word vagabond means wanderers, those that have no place. If they don't have a house, they just move from place to place. We'll find those kind of people like that. The Bible says that then, I call them you know, rough slippers. Um, some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists took it upon themselves to call the name of the Lord over those who had evil spirit also, saying, we exorcise you by the Jesus whom Paul preaches. Now, they've seen Paul do these unusual miracles. Because one of the things that you need to realize is that these exorcists, they believe in mediums. 
they believe in in, in in chapter number 16 we found the medium girl remember the story of the the the, the priestess of um, apollo remember the story right down the pythoness uh but right now these jewish they were ex exorcists but they were jewish exorcists and and now they've seen Paul performed an unusual miracle. Typically, they would use mediums and sages and use suspensions or what you call sucking to hold demons for, for a season. But now Paul was casting out demons with a handkerchief. He's not even doing it. His handkerchief was doing that. And these vagabonds, these itinerant means they are everywhere, like grasshoppers. They don't have a base. They're everywhere. They're looking for clients to exercise. All right, they're looking for people to cast out their demons. I, I pray that we don't have vagabond preachers here, right? I pray that this concept of itinerary, and when I look when I look at the word itinerary, I felt very bad sometimes to be called an itinerary preacher because I travel from place to place to preach the gospel. But the word itinerary here is a, is a, is a, it's a poor choice of word. That word was meant to be vagabond. So if you have like a KJV, it might say vagabond, right? Jewish exorcists and magicians. Anyway. The Bible says that when they saw this miracle through Paul, this unusual miracle, they decided to say this. this they say they call the Bible says, took him upon themselves to call the name of the Lord Jesus over those who are the evil spirit, saying, We exercise you by the Jesus who Paul preaches. Now they never said we exercise you by Jesus that we know, but the Jesus who Paul preaches. And that's why we have to be very careful because we cannot cast out demons in our pastor's name. Okay? You have to know God for yourself. But the Bible says, I don't want to spend time. The Bible says also, now they were the Jewish exorcists or the Jewish vagabond exorcists. That's one group. Now this one, that group. Also, they were also seven sons of Sceva. Because Sceva, right? A Jewish chief priest who also who did also. So these guys who were the itinerant, you know, uh, a Jewish exorcists, they are, they are one group. And the seven sons of this high priest, a Jewish high priest. Now it is possible to hear this that in the jewish practice there are different groups of people who go about being exorcists all right so these other guys who are at the itinerant they've taken it upon themselves to make money they they commodify this trade by cutting out demons now these guys are jews both the first group and the sons of skiva they're all jewish people but they do it for the gains okay they do it for the money all right when you cast out demons via money, the spirit behind it is mammon. Mammonry is responsible for your deliverance motivation. The Bible says that, and the evil spirit, the Bible says, and the evil spirit answered. Now, this is the part I need to hear. The evil spirit answered and said, Jesus, I know, and Paul, I know, but who are you? Jesus, I know. I need, to, I need to hear that word because this defeats the whole theology of the atheists. Are you following me? This defeats the theologies of those who argue that Jesus was not a, a, a real character in time. It, it, it's interesting how demons know Jesus more than some Christians. That's what the Bible says. And, and this is the part I want you to, to realize. The first seven chapters of the scriptures we read before, the Bible says that Apollos and some of the guys that Paul met at Ephesus, they knew of the of the preaching of John unto repentance. They knew of John's baptism. They knew of John preaching about someone coming. But they did not know what these demons know. So these demons 
we are more deeper, or these demons, we are more scholarly than these guys with half truth. And that's the part you need to realize because these demons know about Jesus, but Apollos didn't know about Jesus. These demons know about the blood, the resurrection, and the baptism. But Apollos and the rest of the guys did not know. It's interesting how Apollos and the rest of the guys are called eloquent, are called sound in the word, and are called fervent in spirit, yet these demons were deeper. <laughs> these demons knew what Apollos did not know, even though Apollos was eloquent. These demons knew what Apollos did not know, even though Apollos was fervent in spirit. Whatever means is that it is possible that Apollos had the revelation of John and did not have the revelation of Jesus. And because he doesn't have the revelation of Jesus, his gospel is partial. So there was something that the demons know that he did not know. Why? Because Jesus is the complete package. So demons, we are deeper than the Apollos. And it's interesting that demons are deeper than atheists. And some demons are deeper than... Now, if demons know about the cross... They know about the resurrection and the baptism. And you in the church do not know. Does that not make demons deeper than you? That does make demons deeper than you. Because there are some things that demons do not know, that demons do you don't know. And that's the reason why your greatest arsenal as a believer is to understand the theology of the cross. The theology, without the cross, there is no redemption. The theology of resurrection, without the resurrection, there is no Christianity. The theology of baptism, without the spirit baptism, there is no indwelling. So our strongest arsenal is understanding the redemptive work of Christ, the cross, understanding the power of our new birth, the resurrection, and understanding that we have been sealed, fragizo, guess what? The baptism of the Spirit. So it's interesting how these demons understand these core doctrines, but Apollos and the guys did not know. Are you hearing me, church? Without the cross, there is no redemption. Without the resurrection, there is no, there is no Christianity. And without baptism, there is no indwelling or there's no stilling of the spirit, right? So who are you? That's the question. And, and again, I ask this question. If demons know these things, I think the believers should also spend the time to know these things also. But who are you? You know, and that's the question. And, and, and you may not know this. This is a question that hell always asks the believer. Who are you? Who the hell do you think you are? That's what they say every time. Who are you? So this is an identity problem. You, you use the name of someone you don't know. And Jesus says to the, to the woman by the well, you know, you, 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 you Samaritans worship what you do not know. Who are you? And my question to you watching this today is, who are you? Who are you? Do you know who you are in Christ? Who are you? I think once you understand who you are in Christ, you already have won the victory. 50%. Bible says, then the man in whom the evil spirit was, was leaped on them, overpower them overpower the seven sons of Sceva and the jewish itinerant you know exorcist and prevailed against them so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded so there was a physical torture demons can cause a physical harm to people yeah and this is part of the whole deliverance package and that's what there needs to be a training on how to handle deliverance because demons can literally physically fight you they will fight you through a host through a body they will literally control the body. Now, when the Bible says that, you know, leaped on them and overpowered them, the demons overpower them because the man overpowered them. So demons will need a host to overpower people. And that's the reason why when you are um, into deliverance, there are things you need to understand because demons will always need a host so they can overpower the deliverer. And the Bible says, prevailed against them, so they fled out of the house naked and wounded. Wow. So this guy, this one guy, 
fought with about maybe 10 people, maybe 20 people. I don't know how many these other guys were. And it was seven from Sons of Skiva. So one guy fought all these guys, wounded them, and they ran out of the house naked. Bible says that this became known to all the Jews and the Greeks dwelling in Ephesus. It became a known thing to the Jews and the Greeks that were dwelling in Ephesus. Now, this was, now, Ephesus was the major capital city of Asia Minor. So, it was so, now it was one of the seven wonders of the world. You know, the temple of Diana. I'll come to that in a moment, okay? So, it's very important that you understand what's going on here. The Bible says, And fear fell on them all, and the name of the Lord was magnified. My God, this was good. The name of the Lord was magnified. Remember, in the previous chapter, the Bible says, Had they beat sustenance. Sustenance, right? And then the mission of the Lord moved forward. Uh, or Crispus, rather. No, sustenance. But Crispus was the one who got saved. And now the Bible says that Jesus was magnified because, guess what? The Spirit of the Lord had caused deliverance at Ephesus. The Bible says in verse 18, And many who had believed came confessing and telling their deeds. Also, many of those who had, not, who had practiced magic. Now, I don't want to spend all the time. There were three kinds of superficial acti or paranormal activities back in the day. There was magic, there was ecstasies, and there was sorcery. Magic, ecstasies, and sorcery. These were three kinds of, you know, uh, paranormal superficial activities back in the day. And Bible says that everyone who had practiced magic brought their books together. Be very careful what you have come to that in a moment. Brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all. I beg you. One of the one of the gates you have to close or be very careful of is your eye gate, your ear gate. But let me talk about the eye gate. Be very careful the sight, the dark sight you open on social media. Be very careful the kinds of sites you open. Be very careful the kinds of books you read. And I know that you want to, you're very inquisitive. You want to find out what's going, in, going on in the world. But trust me, books are also portals. There were certain conversations, there were certain documents you read in a book that will literally mess up your spirit. These are access points. Books, movies, what you watch, what you listen, your gaze actually protect your gaze at all costs. Why? Because these are access access points. The Bible says that these guys brought their books. Now you must realize this, you know, I, I was reading a story of a guy who um let me, let, let's let's yeah, who got demon possessed because he was playing with algebra. It was even it was not even playing with the board. What he was doing, he was reading, he was reading um some numbers and numerology and going to some deep stuff. And he was demon possessed just doing that. Be very careful what you read, I beg you. And and if you have a leader, you have a pastor, I've got a lot of people tell me, Apostle, is this a good read? I say yes, go for the book. I do a lot of investigations about books. Be very careful because books, and I know that you want to be very inquisitive, but please, books are, are access point. The Bible says they brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all. They brought their books. These are magic books. There were, there were still believers, right? That they have uh, you know, books on astrology. I'm like, what are you doing with these astrological books? There were still believers talking about Pisces and Leo and, and Aries and 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 and, and you know, and, and all these, uh, uh, Scorpion, I'm not, why, why are you doing that? You don't read this stuff. There are still believers reading book on the sun god, and be very careful with these things, especially when they have their roots in pagan origin. Be very careful. The Bible says, I'm burn them in the sight of, I wish we could burn these things. I wish we could burn all our books, all these books that do not, um, yeah, glorify the Lord. I would say, and they counted up the value of them, the value of the book. At that time, it totaled 50,000 pieces of silver. 
so that the word of the Lord grew mightily and prevailed. Listen, 50,000 pieces of silver back in the day. Imagine 50,000 pieces of silver now. And this is like over 2,000 years. This is 50,000 pieces of silver today. You know what's worth. But that was it back. So the, the, the value of the books, these were expensive books. Do you realize that witchcraft books are very expensive? A lot of you spend the time to buy, not you guys, you go on the internet and, and, and the devil has even made it even easier for you guys. And he's put all this content free online. And all you need to do is just type it on www, some stuff, and you, you're exposed to some dark stuff. Some, some, some apps are dark. Video games are becoming dark. You know, you find out that people, be, I mean, people are promoting demonism and satanism and publicly this day. Back in the day, people were scared to even present or project demonism. Now you go to a concert and you're seeing a demon. You're seeing a witch practice, a witchcraft practices in these concerts. The, the enemy is no longer hiding. It's practically in front of us these days. Back in the day, they used to hide these things in some books, in code. They used to codify it. Nowadays, you're, you're watching books and you're, you're seeing children's books talking about how a man loves a man. You know, how a man sleeps with a man. Children's book. I mean, hell is not joking. Hell is not joking. Alright. But the Bible says, you know, Bible says, So the word of the Lord grew mightily and prevailed. Why? It looks like Paul was really having a few days. Paul was going everywhere, preaching the word of the Lord. He's gone to Tyrannus. He spent two years there, preaching the word of the Lord. People have come to the faith. He's come down to this region as well. So Paul was blowing. He was hitting it big time. Bible says in verse 21, remember, we read before that the heart of some Jews were hardened. So he went to the next door, which was the school of Tyrannus. Now the Bible says, when these things were accomplished, Paul proposed in the spirit when he had passed through Macedonia and Achaia, to go to Jerusalem, saying, After I have been there, I will also see Rome. So Paul, when this ministry was growing and Paul was, you know, the, the, the ministry was expanding, Paul proposed in a certain said, You know what? I will go through Macedonia and Achaia. So I'm going to go back to uh, uh, the Europe again, which he did his second missionary journey to encourage the church. And, and then he's going to go to. Um, Antioch Caesarea, saying, after I have been there, I must also go to Rome and all of these things. So he sent into Macedonia. Now, remember, he's at Ephesus. Now, he sent into Macedonia two of those who ministered to him, Timothy and Erastus. But he himself stayed in Asia for a time. So what Paul had done, Paul had sent Timothy and Erastus to go back to, you know, um, to um, go back to Macedonia. You know, that was the entry point of the second missionary journey in Europe. It said to go back to Macedonia. If you have the map again, let's see where we are. I wish I could write, I could draw this. I wish I could draw this, okay? All right. Now, if you look at this stuff here, probably going to draw it. Probably going to draw this. All right. If you look at this stuff, I might do this right now. Paul is in Ephesus, all right? This is the part here, Ephesus. I'm probably going to use white. Uh, I'll, use, I'll use a white color so you just see the color. White. White, okay? I'm gonna, now, Paul was at Ephesus. This Ephesus here, this part here. You see, mark that part now. And now, Paul is planning to go to Macedonia, which is this part here. It's Macedonia, yeah? Paul is coming here, Macedonia. And then, uh, remember, 
Paul was talking about how he wanted to be at you know, Achaia, which was in the Corinth region, which is this part here. Right? So what Paul had done, Paul had sent the guys from here and they've come here. So the guys are here now in Macedonia. That's what's happened. The guys were in Macedonia. But the Bible said, but Paul stayed back. Why did Paul stay back? We're going to find in a moment. So remember, Macedonia was where he had his second missionary journey. Now, Paul had his ministry was blossoming in, in Ephesus at Ephesus, and now he sent Erastus and, and Timothy to go back to Macedonia. That he was coming there because the plan was to go to Macedonia, and then from Macedonia, he comes back to Corinth. Then from Corinth, he would go to Jerusalem, then go to, go to Rome. So he sent the guys there. So he was about to go join them. But let's see what happens as Paul was about to make his way to join them in Macedonia. Right? Let's read. The Bible says that Paul stayed in Asia for a time. So he sent them, but Paul stayed there for a time. For a time. Bible says, and about that time, there arose a great commotion about the way. A great commotion about that time. About when Paul was about to travel, there arose a great confusion. We call it Wahala. Uh, about the way, about the, the way I caught Christians. There was great dispute about the way. There was a great shaking about the way. Why? For a certain man by the name of Demetrius, he was a silversmith. A certain man by the name of Demetrius, he was a silversmith. Okay, follow me, church. Who made silver shrines of Diana. Now, Diana is the same name as Artemis. Diana is the Roman name. It's the Latin name for Artemis, which is the Greek name. Remember, Artemis is actually the twin sister of Apollo. We read before with scripture, right? And it's very important that this name yet, this name Diana, you also find Artemis. It's a, it's a change of words, right? Because Diana is the Roman version of Artemis, okay? Artemis we read before is the Greek. That's what you have what you call Aphrodite, which was the goddess of sex. We read it before in chapters number 18, 17 and 18, about Corinth, which was a hub for um, orgies, right? We have Aphrodite who was worshipped. So Diana, rather than Diana, is just a... It's just a... So we have it as Diana. Diana is the Romanized name. And Artemis. Is the Greek name. So a lot of times you find um, you find a mix of it. It's the same thing, just in case you have other translation that tells you, well, Artemis is the same thing. This is actually um, the goddess of sex. Okay, we understand that goddess of fertility and all that. But let's what the Bible says. The Bible says this silversmith by the name of Demetrius now wants to start Wahala, start commotion. The Bible says what he did. The Bible says it was a silversmith. Who made silver shrines of Diana? So he made little shrines, you know, silver shrines for Diana. Shrines, okay? And remember, the shrine of Diana is one of the many, uh, what you call a uh, seven wonders, one of the wonders, okay? Especially when you have the the theater. I'll show you the theater in a moment. The Bible says, made silver shrines of Diana, brought no small profit to the craftsmen. All right. Bible says so. This is like a guild, like a like a, a, a work, a, a trade union, right? So these guys come to the craftsmen and say to them, it called for them together and, and with the workers similar to the occupation and said, men, you know that we have our prosperity by this trade. So these guys make a fortune 
by making shrines of Diana and selling to the people. So they were uh, propagators of idolatry. And now Paul had come to spoil markets. <laughs> Paul had come to mess up their trade. And now all these associations of Siva Smith, they've come together and they've wondered, who is this guy that's trying to spoil our market? Just like in Acts chapter number 16, Paul had spoiled the market of the pythons. And the magistrates and the guys, they beat Paul and locked him in prison. Now we read in the scripture right now that this guy by the name of Paul again has come to the Ephesus region, the Ephesian region, and he's spoiled the market. So the Bible says, what has he done? You know that we have our prosperity by this trade. We make our money by selling shrines. That's what he's saying. By this trade. Moreover, you see and hear that not only at Ephesus, but throughout the Asia, so not just at Ephesus, he didn't make he didn't in our business. But guess what? In Smyrna, in Pergamum, in Thyatira, in, in Sardis, in Philadelphia, in Laodicea, in Colossae, in Arapolis, this guy is pulling our trade. So the Bible says, in all Asia, this Paul has persuaded and turned away many people. And that's the, that's the, that's the purpose of the gospel. We turn people away. So even the unbelievers are testifying to Paul turning people away from these pagan practices. I was just saying that they are not gods which are made by hands. What Paul is saying that these things made by hands are not gods. These Greek mythologies are not gods. Verse 27. So not only is this trade of us in danger of falling into disrepute, but also the temple of the great goddess Diana. They call her the great goddess. The great goddess Diana, Right? Maybe not. Does they believe that Diana fell from heaven, from Zeus, and Zeus is called heaven or Jupiter? Jupiter and Zeus the same thing. One is a Roman name and one is a Greek name. Zeus is Greek and uh, Jupiter is Roman. The Bible says uh, uh, that, that, but also the great, the temple of the great Diana may be despised and a magnificence destroyed, whom all Asia and the world worship. It's very interesting because she was one of the wonders, several wonders. So these craftsmen, we are saying, this Paul had come to spoil markets. This Paul had come to mess up our trade. This Paul had come to, you know, not just mess up our trade, but also cause a disrepute to this great Diana, this great Artemis, all right? So what is what the metros had done, the metros had gathered the same people of, people of the same occupation and said to them, we have to cause commotion because this guy, Paul, is trying to mess up our trade. Remember the reason why this is a problem for the metros was because everyone who bought shrines from him Every single person who bought shrine for him, they've stopped patronizing him. And because of that, he's lost trade and also the goddess which he believes in has lost repute or reputation. Bible says in verse 29, 28, Now when they heard this, they were all full of wrath and cried out, saying, Remember, Paul was still at Ephesus. Timothy and Erastus has gone to Macedonia, right? Great is Diana of the Ephesians. Great is Diana. That's, the, that's an exclamation mark that you are crying. Great is Diana, Diana of the Ephesians. So the whole city was filled with confusion and rushed into the theater. You hear me? They rushed into the theater. The whole city. Let me. The whole Now, not all the city are coppersmith or silversmith, but this has caused an uproar in the whole city. They ran into the theater with one accord. So the Bible says, Having seized Gaius and Aristarchus, Macedonians, 
Paul's travel companion. What did they do? This crowd had seized Paul's companion, his travel companions, travel bodies, his, his, his armor bearers and all. Verse number 30, the Bible says, and when Paul wanted to go to the people, Paul was going to go to the people, the disciples would not allow him. Uh, bro, chill. The disciples would not let Paul go to the people because they caught the guys. They caught people like Gaius. They caught people like Aristarchus, Macedonians. You know, Paul was going to go. The disciples said to him not to go. In verse 31, the Bible says, Then some of the officials of Asia, these are called rulers, they're called Ajax. Ajax. Some of your translation will tell you A-S-A-R-C-H-S, okay? They're called Ajax. So some of you, you might find something like this. You might find something like this. A-S-I-A-R-C-H. Ajax. Now, Ajax were rulers, okay? Ajax were very important. So you know that. I want you to know that for Ajax were rulers, okay? They were... Uh, they were rulers, so they, but, but, but it's, it's, it's interesting. Um, but I'll, I'll talk about the, the temple of um, Diana in a moment because that temple was built about six, six in the sixth century, and it was built the night that Alexander was born. All right, but these guys we are called the Ajax, why? Because they were rulers, they made sure that no one troubled the place. They were called the rulers, okay? So they are called Ajax. Ajax, we are Ajax, we are people who made sure. Because you see, Rome was called, Rome was known to be, uh, 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 you know, a peace city, a peace nation, you know, a free nation, and every dispute that ever happens in Rome is always caused by the Jewish or the Orthodox Jewish guys, and that's what Luke would always portray. I think the book of Luke and the book of Acts is uh, Luke's letter uh, to Theophilus to prove that. Paul was innocent of the operas that happened during the Roman Roman tour. Alright, it's a, it's an official statement before the uh, Roman Caesar that Paul was innocent. Does that make sense? Now we find that you know in the next verse, like we read that or that's in verse, the Bible says the officials, some of the officials who were Paul's friend, who were his friends. So Paul had some guys there were his friends, sent him, sent to him pleading that he would not venture into the theater, all right? He would not venture into the theater, very important. Let me show you what the theater looks like back in the day. The Bible says into the theater, now some therefore cried out, let's look at the theater, what the theater looks like. You know, back, it was a massive theater back in the day, all right? I had it on my screen. Uh, let me see if I have it here. Now, that is the theater, all right? This was the theater back in Paul's day. This was the theater back in Paul's day. All right. It was magnificent. It was magnificent. It was a massive theater. All right. So this was the theater that was one of the world's wonders. Okay. It was, it was considered one of the seven wonders of the world. All right. Now this, this theater was actually built the day that, apparently, and the temple was built the day that uh, Alexander was born, the night he was born. All right. So this is the this is the theater. Are you seeing that massive theater? Now this was the theater that the silversmith had run into. This was the theater that the guys had come into. Are you following? It was at this theater 
that these guys had, had, had come. And I said to you before, you know, Paul was stopped from entering this place by what you call the Asiacs. The Asiacs, okay? The Asiacs, like I put before, A-S, it's Asiacs, yeah? It's pet. These were the rulers. And their assignment is to stop the uproar. Up. If that makes sense. That's their assignment, to stop the uproar. You know, so that is what you call the theater. This was a theater that was also built to. Uh, it was a theater that was also built to built um, um, built to the uh, Ephesian, the, the 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 goddess Diana. Like I said, there were Diana is Roman and Artemis is Greek. So when you look at the scripture, be very careful how you look at Diana and they are the same thing. But just different languages, okay? So that was the theater. The Bible says that, you know, these guys had entered. Bible says in verse 32, and some therefore cried out with one, and, and Bible says some cried out with one. Some cried out for one thing and some or another. For the assembly was what confused. Everyone was just at the theater. We had no clue what was going on. Bible says that most of them did not know what they had come together. They just gathered. You know, those people that just like busybody, they just came to the theater. You know, to find out what's going on. Remember, uh, Paul also went also um, at, the the at the little, you know, like Olympia, Olymp uh, set in, in chapter 18, uh, chapter 17 and 18, I believe. You know, you know the Mars Hill, where he asked the question, you know, to the unknown God we read before. You know, the Bible says, you know, and, you know, in verse 33, and they drew Alexander out of the multitude, and the Jews put him, up, him forward. And Alexander marched on with his hand and wanted to make his defense to the people. But when they found that he was a Jew, all with one voice cried out for about two hours, Great is Diana of the Ephesians! For two hours, when they found out he was the Jew, right? Bible says in verse 35, And when the city clock has quieted the crowd, they said, Men of Ephesus, what man is there? Who does not know that the city of the Ephesian is the temple guardian of the great goddess Diana and of the image which fell down from Zeus? That was Zeus here, some would say Jupiter, but that was Zeus here can also be said as heaven. They use this as heaven, that's what they mean. It's a Greek mythology of heaven. Therefore, since these things cannot be denied, so this clock is saying to them, Why are you fighting? It's, 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 it's for real that Diana is a great goddess who came from heaven. You don't have to fight it. It's fact. That's what this clock was saying. Verse 37 says, For you have brought these men here who are neither robbers of the temples nor blasphemers of your goddess. Therefore, if Demetrius and his fellow craftsmen have a case against anyone, the courts are open and there are proconsuls. Which are rulers in that in that because it's actually a senatorial district. It's a senatorial district. Bible says, let them bring charges against one another. But if they if you haven't any other query to make, it should be determined in the lawful assembly. What he's saying right there is that if these things that these guys are saying has nothing to do with our goddess, has nothing to do with them robbing, you know the truth. You know, you don't have to fight it. If it's a religious issue with the Jews, let them study that themselves. Like we read in chapter 17 and 18, right? The Bible says in verse number 40. For we are in danger of being called in question for today's opera. Does that make sense? We, we are in danger. Because the assignment of the Asiacs is to make sure there is no opera. Why? Because Rome is known to be a free state. There is no issue. And every time there was a problem in the Roman district and in the Roman preconsul, it was always the Jewish 
orthodox guy that make wahala or make the problem. So that's why I believe that when Luke wrote this statement, he's always hammering the fact that it was the Jews that caused the issue. The Bible says, you know, for we are in danger of being called in question for today's opera. There be no reason which we may give account for this disorderly gathering. And when he had said these things, he dismissed the assembly. He dismissed the assembly. There is nothing to fight these guys about. Remember, Paul was not with them. Paul was stopped from joining them. So the Bible says that when this clock had come and realized that you guys are only causing an opera in this place, why have you come to the temple? Why have you come to the theater? This doesn't warrant the theater. Come on, it doesn't make sense. And because of that, he said to the guys, you know, why are you guys fighting for your gods? Our great Diana can, our, our great Diana can defend for herself. Blah, 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 blah. And because there is nothing, no, nothing religious to fight about, he dismissed them. And that is the end of chapter number 19. So chapter number 19, we'll find that Paul had sent Timothy and Erastus to Macedonia. He waited behind. Why? Because he wanted to spend time. The plan was to go through Macedonia um, and then go to Jerusalem and then come to Rome. But the Bible said that when Paul had done a lot of miracles, people, a lot of people have come to faith. And we find the sons of Sceva and also the vagabond or we call the itinerant Jewish exorcist how they have been traumatized by the demons that that was under under man but if you look at the scriptures interesting you know how these demons dealt with the guys all right um and then we find that paul has sent the guy because the, the church in macedonia was needed paul so paul sent timothy and erastus to go and paul was making his way to go when this whole thing happened so paul was held back by his friends who were ajax as well and some of his disciples and his travel assistants were held, you know, you know, Aristocles was held, you know, yeah, the Macedonians were held as well. Uh, some of Paul's guys were held back, so Paul had to wait back and to make sure that the coast was clear before we travel. So when they came to before the city clerk, he had dissolved the issue and let's see how Paul would travel. What I'm going to do right now is give you another, about say, five minutes or so to just stretch yourself again. And then you and I will meet again in another, say, no, let's do, let's do three minutes. Yeah, three minutes, we'll come back and we'll meet again. All right, so guys, stay tuned. I will see you guys in three minutes. All right, see you soon.
All right, I am back. I believe it's um, three minutes already. Are we good to go? Chapter number 20 already. Let's roll. I am super. I believe that we will be completing. We've got just um, uh, 20 today. We've got eight chapters to go. That should be about three days. I cannot wait. Or three more times. I cannot wait. All right, so we are ready. Chapter number 20. If you have your Bible still, let's look at the book of Ephesians, chapter, the Ephesians Acts, chapter number 20. Let's roll. Now, like I told you before, there was an uproar. Just, I want to make sure that you guys are okay. Okay. All right. Chapter number 20. Now, after the opera had ceased, remember, Paul was going to go to Macedonia to meet with Erastus and Timothy before the whole Demetrius issue came with the whole table of Diana and Artemis, and he had to chill for a while. Now, after the opera had ceased, Paul called the disciples to himself, okay? Now, chapter 20 is very important to understand the letter that was written to the church of Ephesus. You need to realize what Ephesus was like. The only thing that Ephesus had that was going on, going bad for them was they had left their first love, but they held on to doctrines. Why? Because this is the chapter that Paul would really encourage them about doctrines. Okay? Yeah. After the opera had ceased, Paul called the disciples to himself, embraced them, and departed to Macedonia. Remember, the disciples that told him to chill, don't go into the theater, they might kill you. He embraced them and then he went to Macedonia, like as promised before. Now, when he had done, he had gone over that region and encouraged them with many words, he came to Greece, the same region of Corinth, right? He came to Greece, like he mentioned, he was going to go. He came to Greece and stayed there for three months, okay? Let me show you what Paul did, okay? Paul stayed there for three months. I wish I had this thing again here. All right. I think I have the map on here. I mean, that may not be clean enough. I'll show you my one. All right. Ice cream. All right. See that? So Paul had gone to Macedonia, right? Paul had come to Macedonia. Like I mentioned before, Macedonia is that, that place there, you know. Yes. Macedonia is the, I'm trying to clean. Macedonia is that guy there. So Paul had come to Macedonia. Let's, let's see where he was. So Paul, I'm going to probably use the red one now, red one. Paul was here in, at Ephesus here. See the Ephesus red one I've marked there. And Paul now went to Macedonia. From Macedonia, Paul had come to, yeah, he's come to um, Greece, all right? He's come to, he's come to Greece. He's come here. So Paul is in this region now. But Paul mentioned that he was going to go to Syria and Jerusalem. That's what Paul meant he was going to go. Then he now go back again to Rome again. So Paul was just going back and forth. 
Paul was going back and forth. That's what Paul was doing. So what we want to read right now to see how Paul would navigate that space. Remember, he'd sent Timothy and Erastus already to Macedonia while he waited for the whole thing to, to, to calm down. Now, the Asians and his apostles and his disciples held him back. Now, Paul had gone to Macedonia. And guess what he's done now? He stayed there for three, he's from Macedonia, he's come to Greece. Now, Macedonia was the first country he entered in Europe through Philippi. And remember, Philippi was the harbor of Macedonia. And the capital city was called Thessalonica. But guess what? Before he came to Thessalonica, he had come into Amphipolis, from Amphipolis to Apollonia, from Apollonia to Thessalonica, from Thessalonica to Berea, from Berea to, uh, uh, to uh, Athens, from Athens to the current region, from the current region he went to Ephesus, from Ephesus he went to Phrygia, from Phrygia he went to Bithynia, from Bithynia he went to the Iconium, Lystra and Derbe, from there he came down to Ephesus at the time that um, Apollo, Apollo, Apollos, Apollos had gone to um, Corinth to correct the churches. And then he had come to Ephesus and he's gone back again. The reason why I'm taking the time because you must understand that all three of Paul's missionary journeys were from Antioch in Syria, not the Antioch in Pisidia. There's one in Pisidia close to the one you have close to Iconium, Derby and Lystra. There is one in the uh, in the in the in the Jewish in the uh, region, the preconsul of Judah. So Judah, Judah is the uh, a, a preconsul or Roman you know consul region of um of uh, it's a, it's a Roman preconsul, Judah. Ju Judah is then as Judea. So the Roman name is called Judea. It's a Roman uh, um, consulate region. Does that make sense? Where you have Syria. And the reason why I'm doing this now, I'm trying to clean this map. The reason why I'm doing this right now is to help you understand these missionary journeys. Because people ask me a lot of the apostle, how do you understand when Paul said what Paul said? Because I have spent the time to track down the missionary journey. The first missionary journey is the region called Galatia. That's the first one. Iconium, Derby, Lystra. Remember, on the right side, you have, you know, Syria. Then you have what you call Cyprus. On the, east, on the eastern part of Cyprus, you have Salamis. On the western part, you have Pamphos. Then you go down on the other side there, you have what you call Cilicia, Tarsus. You go down to the region. On the other side there, close to Pamphos, um, you have Crete. Then on the other side there you have what you call um what, what, what do we have there right now? Oh uh, we have Pamphylia, we have you know Pagos, and then you then you on the further 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 west you go into Macedonia, right? Remember the Lord stopped Paul from going into Asia um when he wanted to go because God wanted Asia to be the last one. That's a reason for that, okay? So let's go back to the scriptures again. I know I'm boring you with my story, my maps. Okay, let's go to the scriptures again. The Bible says, you know, um, that's in verse number 20. In verse number 2, And when he had gone over that region and encouraged them with many words, he came to Greece and stayed there for three months in Greece, right? And when the Jews plotted against him, they always plot to kill him, plotted against him as he was about to sail to Syria, he decided to return to Macedonia. Catch this. Yet the story now. That's why I give you the map. The, the map says that, in verse number 2, When he had gone over to that region and encouraged them with many words, he came to Greece and he stayed there for three months. And the Jews plotted to, the Jews plotted, plotted against him as he was about to sail to Syria. Like he mentioned, remember he mentioned, I'm going to go to Macedonia, then I'm going to go to Greece, I'm going to go to Jerusalem, I'm going to go to Rome, right? It's already in Greece. He was about to make his way to Jerusalem for some reason there was a leak. The Jews found out that he was going to sail through. We don't know who leaked the information. We don't know if you saw it on Instagram, or they saw it on Instagram, on Facebook, but there was a mole, perhaps, 
or for some reason it leaked out for some reason and the bible says that the jews plotted against him as he was about to sail to syria get the word sail that's the word there he was about to sail take the sea what was the sea it was the mediterranean how do i know that it's in my map on my map this is the sea it was about to sail to that region uh where are we now my map yeah see that see where he was it was about to sail through the Mediterranean Sea. Where was he? He was already here. Let me use a maybe or yellow. He was already in this region, right? But it was about to sail to Syria. See that? Are you following me, church? I need a thumbs up. It was about to sail to Syria through the mediterranean sea not through the asian sea this is the asian sea here but through the mediterranean sea that's a long one because it's going to pass through santorini i love you i love santorini by the way and this is patmos here where john was patmos here right so he was about to sail from this place to syria it's antiochia syria we have jerusalem right let me clean this again just so you know how to read your Bibles. <laughs> All right. So, it was about to sail then to that region. Then let's see what the Bible says. Then the Bible says, he decided to return through Macedonia. Hold on a moment. He was going to sail through to Syria, but he decided to what? go up north. He went to Macedonia. Why? The Bible says, And Sopata of Berea accompanied him to Asia. Also, now follow me slowly. Now, let me read it again. He decided to return to Macedonia. He changed his mind. And went by land to Macedonia. That was where he was before he came to Greece. So he went to Macedonia. And Sopata and you find them in Romans chapter number 16 when Paul was saying thank you to these guys in Romans chapter 16. You find all these names there, by the way. Sopata of Berea. Remember Berea. Remember what Berea was. That's where you found Sopata in Berea in chapter number 17. Why? Remember when Paul had dealt with that demonized Pythonist in chapter 16 in Philippi, it came to Macedonia and Thessalonica is the capital city. But guess what? Before he got to Thessalonica, he had to go through Amphipolia. From Amphipolia, he went through Apolli Apol Apollonia. From Apollonia to Thessalonica, then from Thessalonica, they refused his word and he went to Berea. Thessalonica to Berea was about 60 miles. From, Apo from, from Amphipoli to Apollonia was about 33 miles. From Apollonia to Thessalonica was 30. From Thessalonica to Berea was, was, about, um, was about 30 years, uh, 37. This guy, this guy came came that far. Now, Sopata, you find it very important in chapter 16 of Acts. Now, Sopata, the Bible says, where are we now? Of Berea, it's of Berea, it's a Berean, right? Accompanying him to Asia. So Paul is going back again to Asia. Remember, we left Asia because of the commotion. And he's come down to Macedonia, come down to Greece. Once he got to Syria, there was all stuff planned for him. Guess what he did? He went back again to Macedonia, the Bible says, and then to Asia. Also, Aristarchus and Secundus of the Thessalonians and Gaius of Derby and Timothy. We know where Timothy is from? Lystra. And Timothy of Lystra and Tychicus and Trumpimus of Asia. So Paul had different guys from the uh, 
from the Asian part and also a bit of the, the Galatian part as well and also from the European part of the Macedonian part which is part of the Berea, Berea and Thessalonica. Does that make sense? Okay, we are still following. We are still following, all right? These men going ahead, waiting for us at trust, waiting for us. This guy used the word us here. Who is us here? Luke. So Luke is part of the company. Now, I told him last time where trust was. Trust was actually, uh, it was a coast. Now, I don't know if I have trust here. If I'm on, my, on my map, I should have it on my map because it's a coast, the coastal region. Uh, it's going to be close to the uh, coastal region of, um, close to summer threes are fine in the moment. Okay, let's go to my map. Let's look at... Um, they waited for us at Troas. All these guys waited for... They were waiting for Luke and Paul at Troas. See where they were. See where they were. I promise I won't disturb you with my map anymore. This was... This is Troas. See the Troas there? That's Troas there. The one with the blue. I'm going to cycle it with the blue. This is Troas. Okay. With the blue. See there? That's Troas there. You see Troas there? Where was he? It was actually, he had come down to, from where he was, he went to Macedonia, right? From Macedonia, he came down to Greece, the region here. From Greece, what has he done now? And he was going to go to Syria, but for, for some reason, he went back to this region. Then, obviously, they're now this place waiting for them and the bible says if you continue the bible now see through us trust is at the coast like i mentioned before it's at the coast see here it's at the coast it's the coastal region just like, just like you have philippi in the coastal region to macedonia so this was the coast but philippi now this is the difference Thras was the coast to the Asian Minor region, right? Close to the Asian, Asian Sea, uh, in the Asian Minor region, right? While Philippi was a harbor of Macedonia, again, close to the Asian region as well. So they share a common region, a common sea, the Asian Sea. However, from Greece, in order to go to Jerusalem, you have to go through the Mediterranean. So that was a big one. If Paul had gone through there, they would have killed him. So Paul had to go through Macedonia. Went back to Europe again. Okay, let's read. It's a lot of map, a lot. But if you understand the map, you understand the scriptures. Okay, let's read. And the Bible says, "But look at verse number says, but we sailed away from Philippi." Like I say, Philippi is the harbor of Macedonia. Okay, just to let you know, it's a harbor. We sailed from Philippi after the days of unleavened bread, and and five days joined them at Troas. So all these guys that we read before, they were all at the coast waiting. It took five days. So in five days time, rather, they joined them at Troas, the coast, which is actually on the border of the Asian minor region, all right, where we stayed seven days. So from point A to point B, seven days. From where you, from Philippi to Philippi on that side there to Troas on this side there, in five days time they met and they stayed together for seven days. So these guys were all together at trust for seven days. Okay. Uh <laughs> yes, it's good. But if you if you look if you look at the map here, this is where they were. Um they were here. Let me clean this. Okay, clean this. They were actually, where were they? 
they were one moment guys trying to play this stuff they were they were here philippi this part here philippi and they have to come to Troas here so they have to come for, they have to sail through the agency this is the agency here in five this time so um the guys we read before were waiting for paul where the guys the guys read before were there waiting for paul, waiting for them already who were they they were Aristarchus, Secundus, the Thessalonians, Gaius of Derby, Timothy, Tychicus, um, Tromphinus of Asia. They were all waiting for Luke and Paul in Troas here. And then five this time they came there and made them and they stayed there for seven days. Okay, so let's go back again to the text of scriptures as we read again. They were there for seven days. All right, let's go back again and read. Oh, that's the map, sorry. For those of you that came, read about the map of uh, the, the theater, rather. Uh, okay, let's go back again to the scriptures. All right, Bible says in verse 7, Now on the first day of the week, which is the first, the first day of the week, we know it's Sunday, right? On the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, as they do before they break bread, Paul, ready to depart the next day. This guy's on the go. I don't know how, I don't know how his armor bearer rests. This kind of guy, I cannot be his armor bearer. I cannot. You can imagine when Paul was tied to the Roman soldier. That guy. <laughs> I can imagine how frustrated that guy would be. Hearing the gospel every single day. But the Bible said the next day, he spoke to them and continued his message until midnight. Guess what? Paul spoke to them. You, <laughs> I will show you. Emmanuel and the, me and the drama team, they thought that I stayed long on social media. I will show you something right now. Apostle is still streaming. Bible says, Ready to depart. The Bible says, spoke to them and continued this message on him. Paul was talking to midnight. I'm not going to talk to midnight today. I promise you, I'm going to end soon. But Paul was called Hermes, the god of talk, the god of communication, the god of speed. The Bible said that Paul was talking until midnight. I don't know about you guys. I don't have that grace. So you guys, you are laughing at me on social media and saying, Apostle streaming again. <laughs> Paul is streamed nonstop. How do I know that? Look at verse number 8. There were many lambs in the upper room where they were gathered together. So the guys were gathered together in Troas. Alright, there, there were many lambs in the upper room. Bible says they were gathered together. In verse 8. And in the window sat a steady young man named Hutychus. A young guy in Troas was there. Alright. Who was sinking into a deep sleep. How can you sleep when Paul is preaching? The Bible said he was overcome by sleep. As Paul continued speaking, he fell from the third story and was taken up dead. So basically, Paul was preaching. This guy was actually part of, uh, on, sat on the, on the window at the lintel, right? And Paul was preaching. He was overtaken by sleep. Let me let me put this word here. Bible says, and in the window sat a certain man, young man named Eutychus, who was sinking into deep sleep. He was overcome by sleep. Now, I don't want to go into the depth of the sleep because there was a spirit there was a demon <laughs> i don't want to make everything spooky there was a demon that overpowers people into deep sleep you hear me there was a demon that feeds on your sleep it causes unnecessary fatigue and a lot of time these demons only come during sermons and when these demons come the repercussions or the consequences of the people they, have, they attack is that they always fall from grace. <laughs> uh, 
I'm not even joking. This Utakos fell from grace. He had to fall from, the, from, that, from that grace message. He fell. But it's interesting the Bible said how not only was he sinking deep in sleep, he was overtaken. He was overcome by, there has to be a spirit. The word overcome, when put together, the verb there looks like something that he couldn't resist. I, I know that some of us get tired naturally and physically, but this was the kind of sleep that will kill. And, and I pray that we, we don't come into a space where we overcome by a spirit of sleep. That would have means our blessings. Because a lot of people go through this stuff, you know, and it's when the pastor is preaching that you're nodding your head. Please, I pray, don't be overcome by the spirit of sleep. Bible says, and Paul continued speaking. He fell down from the third story and what? He died. The Bible says, but Paul went down, fell on him, and embracing him, said, do not trouble yourself, for his life is in him. So this guy fell down and died. But Paul resuscitated him or revived him. Now, many theologians say that he didn't die. Others say that he died. Whatever it is, Paul resuscitated him, the Bible says. If you don't want to use the word revived him or resurrected him. Uh, 11. Now, when he had come come up, had broken bread with and eaten a long time with him, until daybreak, he departed. And they brought the young man alive. And they were not a little comforted. But it's interesting how Paul was speaking this long. I want to read verse number 7 again. Read it, everything so you understand. Now, on the first day of the week, which is actually a Sunday, right? And we believe that we gather our church on a Sunday, right? On the first day of the week, when, when the disciples came together to break bread, on the first day of the week, it, this cannot be a Saturday because if it's Saturday, it should have been Shabbat, right? So the sun, first Sunday of the week, they came together to a fellowship, break bread, and Paul, ready to depart the next day, which would have been a Monday, Next day, spoke to them and continued his message. Now, if they were following the Jewish practice, this probably would have been like a Saturday uh, midnight or if that's the case, midnight. If that's the case, which is actually a Sunday because the Jews don't calculate their time like us. Their day starts in the evening. Their day starts at sunset. Our day starts at sunrise. Does that make sense? The Bible says that he spoke to them and continued this message until midnight. So this guy, so Paul was preaching from morning to midnight. Listen, you guys complain about me. This guy was preaching from morning to midnight. Bible says that there were many lamps in the upper room. He preached so hard they had to bring lamps. They did bring lamp in the daytime. They brought lamp in the nighttime. He's been preaching till even the night. The night was tired. And the Bible says that where they were and they gathered together. And in the window sat a certain young man. The guy was sleepy. Why was he sleepy? He was tired. Because this guy be doing life, yeah, for, for God knows how long. Bible says, who was sinking in his sleep, he was overcome by sleep. And as Paul continued speaking, he fell down from the third story and was taken up dead. Mm. It's a spirit of slumber. And the Bible says, but Paul went down. Now remember, Paul, went, Paul didn't wait for him to come up. Paul went, and I think that's a very key thing for us as leaders. That when people fall from grace, our responsibility is to go down and bring them up. And I think that's the part I wanted to highlight. Paul did not wait for the guy to come up. And a lot of leaders, when people fall from grace, we're like, oh, you must come up. No, our duty of care is to go down to where they've fallen. And that's what Paul did. The Bible says, and Paul, but look at them. But Paul went down. You know, I want to ask you, your sisters that have fallen from grace, have you gone down to see them? And I think that's what makes us believe that if one person falls, I'm not saying to fall, but to find them and meet them where they're falling. Instead of judging them and saying to them, you know what? 
Yeah, the night was tired. Yeah. If 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 you of saying, well, you know what, well, how why are you falling from grace? You should have been fornicating, you should have been sinning, you should be blah 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 blah. When a brother falls, we fall with him. When I mean fall with them, meet them where they're falling. Stop expecting them to come up. Because sometimes you have to go down to pull them up. That's what Paul did. It was a third story beauty, but Paul was willing to go down. There were a lot of guys that would have brought the guy up there, but Paul was willing to go down. And my question to you, if you have family and friends around you that you feel like they've fallen from, from grace, the third story, the first heaven atmosphere, the second heaven stratosphere, the third heaven, the throne of God, which is relationship with God, and that's the third story. In your walk, in their walk with God, they were with God, and for some reason they've fallen from their from that space. My question to you, what would you do when someone has fallen from the Lord? From that third heaven, that third story building. <laughs> the first story building is the earth. The second story building is the constellation. The third story building is the throne of God. What would you do? Our responsibility as believers is that we know that we are seated with him, but sometimes we can also come down and pull, pull the people up so that they can be restored and revived. So the Bible says, Paul came down, you know, and that's what Jesus did as well. He came down to us. All right. The Bible says, fell on him and embracing him. And that's what he did. He fell on him. Paul did not curse him out. The guy has fallen from grace. What did Paul do? Extending his shoulders. It's called paramuthia. Extending his shoulders and embraced him and said, do not trouble yourself. His life is in him. And that's, I think, that's what we need to tell the believer. You know, when a believer falls from grace, we'll tell them, you know what? Don't walk. Don't trouble yourself. Don't walk. God's life is in you. If you fall from grace, you don't have to walk to be saved. You just have to receive the life of God that is available to you. That's what Paul said. Paul said, you know what? Don't trouble yourself. The word trouble means work. Don't work. It's fallen. Don't work. There is life. The life of Christ is in him. It's fallen. He hasn't left. And that's why Paul will talk about the church of Ephesus. And I'll say to them, you have left. So he hasn't lost it. You only left it. Does that make sense? And I think that's where we need to understand, you know, that Christ came down. So Paul came down and said, don't trouble yourself. Don't walk. Life is in you. And I think for everyone that is struggling with their Christian faith and has fallen from there to this place, our duty of care is to spread our hands and love on them and tell them, Christ's life is in you. Rise up. Right. That's what I wanted to share with you. And the Bible says that now when he had to, now, Bible says what he did, now when he had come up, so Paul came up again. Paul, I'm not going to stay there with you, but my responsibility is to lift you up. But I'm not going to stay there, I'm going to come up. So Paul did not even stay down. Paul came up to the fifth story building still. He came up and the Bible says, had broken bread and eating and talked a long while. Paul continued to talk after this guy died. <laughs> Paul talked a long while, even till daybreak. Paul passed midnight. This is 24 hours talk. You guys think I do live long? Emmanuel was saying, oh, Apostle is actually having a live streaming. Paul did a 24-hour live conference. In Paul's meeting, someone was tired and died. Paul resurrected the guy and continued on another life. <laughs> oh, Lord. Brother Paul, it's no joke, you know. I would have thought Paul would have ended the service and said, wow, we almost lost that guy. Paul revived the guy and continued to preach. You know what? You death, you will not stop my message. And I love Paul for that. So there was an anointing in long sermons, right? Church, it's an anointing in long sermons. Paul continued to daybreak. Paul was meant to sleep. He didn't sleep. He preached. Because we read here in the, the verse that he was meant to depart in verse 7. The next day, he was ready to depart. But what did he do? He put his bag aside and began to talk to them and talk to them for 24 hours. 
before he departed. Paul can talk. <laughs> Paul can talk. And they brought the young man alive. And they were not little come so they were very comforted. But Paul did not stop. Paul left the guy. Come, came or brought the guy up rather and continued the sermon, right? He says he won't distract me. Uh he won't stop my message, you know. Bible says then with look, we went ahead to the ship and sailed to Assus. There intending to take Paul on board. So they sailed to Assus to take Paul on board, right? For he had given orders, intending himself to go on foot. So Paul wanted to go on foot. And when we and, and when he met us at Assos, uh, I could have shown you Assos now. Uh the a small one there. Right. So they went to Assos. This is Assos. Uh, so Paul was meant to be a trust, but but so the Bible says, then we went to Let's read it again. I need to show the map to see Paul's movement because his movement is not easy, you know. Very hard movement. Now, where was Paul? Paul was formerly at Troas, right? This was Troas. I'll use, I'll use yellow. This one here, yellow. Whatever. Right. Paul was here, Troas, right? Yeah. And this was Assos, the next one, next, the one next to it. It's so close. Anyway, see, it's Trust and Assos, they are together. See, see how close they are. Right? Trust and this is Assos here. That's the one there. So that's... We, we have the pin. I like this one. This is Trust here. And this is Assos here. See that? And that's what the Bible says. Why you have your Bible still? Bible says, Then we went ahead to the ship and said to Assos. Right? This was Trust. And they said now to Assos. From here, they've come into Assos. The Bible says, They're intending to take Paul on board. So Assos here... They want to take Paul on board at Assos, right? For he had given orders, he told him to go on foot. Now, <laughs> this guy Paul for some reason. And when he met us at Assos, we took him on board and came to Mytilene, right? This was Assos. And they come here, we can see this is Mytilene. Are you following the map? I'm trying to make it big for you guys. It's Assos, Troas, Assos, and Mytilene. They went through Lesbos, see that? Or lessons. So they're here now. Amitalin. That's what the Bible says. They were in Mytilene. Alright? We sailed from Mytilene. And the next day we came opposite of what? Chios. The next day. Mytilene. They come to this other side. Alright? Alright? The following day we arrived at Samos. This was now. This is just follow this map. They from trust. From Troas to Assos, from Assos to Mytilene, from Mytilene to Chios, Chios here, right? Are you following church? Follow the map. They're all going through the coast. This is Mytilene, right? They come to, towards Chios right now. They're going by the coast. Going by the coast. We keep reading. All right? All right? The following day, we arrived at Samos. This is Samos here. So we are going. And stayed at Trogallium. See that what they stayed, they came to this area. Samos, very close to Patmos. And, and this is the Patmos that John wrote the letter for. So you realize that's why John had to write to the church of Ephesus because guess what? It was Ezai to Patmos. 
Right? See where they are? The next day, we came to Malaitus. Ooh. Ooh. They came in the next day. Malait. Came to Malaitus the next day. See that? For Paul had decided to sail past Ephesus. This is Malaitus. This is Ephesus. Now, the question you need to ask me, why did Paul, if you look at the map, Paul skipped Ephesus and went to Malaitus? Look at the map again. Paul had gone through Tras, another path, but he skipped Ephesus and came to Malaitus, but asked the leaders to meet him at Ephesus. Why did Paul just go to Ephesus? He passed Ephesus. Why is Paul avoiding Ephesus? Because of the uproar that happened before. These guys are still mad in their territory. And Paul did not want that level of uproar again. So Paul went to Malaitus and sent for the elders of Ephesus to meet him. Look at the map again. Look at, if you look at the map, you're going to find this. You find that it was actually first at Troas, right? This is Troas, the first part. See that? My, my, my cursor is there. Troas, then to Assos. See that? To Mytilene. To Shios. See that? To Samos. Guess what? Samos here. From Samos to Ephesus is just, they are close. Ephesus is closer to Samos, but what did he do? He came to Malaitus instead. Why is he a Malaitus? Why not just from Samos to Ephesus? It's close. But Paul came here and called the elders of Malaitus to find him. Why? Because of the opera going on. Are you following church? He didn't go back. He just asked the guys to meet him. So, what Paul did is that Paul came to Samos, Ephesus, Malaitos. Okay? Let me write this. Let me do this. And this is the region. Alright? This is Samos. Right? This is Ephesus here. And this is Malaitos here. It is easier for Paul to sail from here to here. It's easier. But what did Paul do? Paul said from here to here. And then ask the leaders from here to come meet him here. Why? Because Paul was avoiding the uproar. He didn't want to cause any commotion in that space at all. Because he wanted it to be safe for the disciples that he's left. Are you, are you following? So instead of Paul to come here, because coming here would mean that it would cause commotion around the Asian region. Ephesus, Smyrna is here. So all this region. So Paul was avoided. So what did Paul do? Paul came to Malaitos here. And ask these guys to come and meet him, the elders, because Paul was coming here to encourage them. So Paul could have come here, but Paul refused to come here. A lot of people say it was because there was a problem with the seashore, but that's not true. But Paul was doing everything to avoid that level of um, of um, that level of um, attention. So what did he do? See him there. He came to from Malitos. He's gonna he's gonna call the elders in a moment. Okay. Let's read the scripture again and go from there. The Bible says in verse number 16, For Paul had decided to sail past here. He sailed past Ephesus because he decided. It, was, it wasn't, he decided to sail past, even though he was going to see them at Ephesus. But he decided to sail past so that he would not have to spend time in Asia. Asia means Ephesus, by the way. So he went past Ephesus. So he, wouldn't have, he didn't want to spend time there for he was hurrying to be at Jerusalem if possible on the day of Pentecost. You know the story? Remember when they left it was 11 bread. So Paul was making sure that he has to be at Pentecost. 
You have the Passover. We have unleavened bread, right? Pentecost is going to come soon. After unleavened bread, you have first fruits. After first fruit, you have Shabbat, which is what? You have Shabbat, which is called Pentecost. So Paul was waiting. That Paul was avoiding to stay at Ephesus because he doesn't want to miss Pentecost or Shabbat, which was the giving of the Spirit, right? So there was a prophetic symbolism for Shabbat. Why? Because that was the time that the Spirit was given to the church. So Paul made sure that he didn't have any meeting at Ephesus. Just so you know, Paul wasn't avoiding them. Paul made sure that he didn't want, he didn't want to be held back. So he had to come down to Miletus and will call for the leaders. The Bible said in verse number 17, from Miletus is sent to Ephesus. Ooh. From Miletus is sent to Ephesus and called for the elders of the church. The same church that he's planted and formed. He didn't want to go to Miletus. He didn't want to go to Ephesus because there would be a lot of issues. They would hold him back. What did he do? He went to the coastal region there in Miletus and called for the leaders to meet him. It's easier. So instead of him to go all the way to the east, he came down south and asked the guys from the east to meet him down south. Okay? The Bible says, And when they had come to him, he said to them, You know from the first day that I came to Asia. Remember when he came to Asia from Corinth? Right? Chapter 17, he came to Asia. And spent about three years in Asia and, play, and trained them. And they went to Caesarea and then came back again when Apollos went to... Uh, Corinth, he came there and spent three years there and equipped the church and spent months and months there as well. When I came from Asia, in what manner I always lived among you, serving the Lord with all humility, with many tears and trials, which happened to me by the plotting of the Jews. With many tears and trials, which happened to me by the, I want to show you a scripture, by the plotting of the Jews. I have no clue if this was the case. One moment. Okay, it's not here. I thought I wrote the scripture down. But with many trials, with many, you know, Paul, yeah, Paul, <laughs> Paul, there was something I want to share with you that Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 32. If you have your Bible, Paul writes, I have fought with the beasts of Ephesus. It is people. It is not a literal feast, okay? Let me show you First Corinthians fifteen thirty-two, okay? First Corinthians. I want to show you fifteen. I want to show you what Paul. Verse thirty-two. Paul, Paul writes. I remember Paul was spending time at um, original as well. I think I'm here. First Corinthians. You are my screen. Fifteen verse thirty-two. So what Paul says, verse 32. Actually, from, from 29, 1 Corinthians chapter number 15, from verse, from verse 29 to 32. Otherwise, what would they do who are baptized for the, for, for the dead? If the dead to let's look at verse number 32. If in the manner of men I have fought with the beast of Ephesus, what advantage? So Paul says he's fought with the beast of Ephesus. Could it be that what we read before, could it be that what we are reading right now, chapter number 20, that Paul saying, you know, how I have always lived among you, serving the Lord with unity, with many tears and trials. Could that be a, an allegory for beasts? A lot of people think it's a physical beast. It could be, I'm just asking, because there is no place in scripture that we see Paul fight with a physical beast. But Paul could have meant that this trials could have been beastly maybe i'm just saying i never know i'm just saying let's keep reading the bible says which happened to me by the plotting of the jews so the jews messed him up 
how I kept back nothing that was hateful, but proclaimed it to you and taught you publicly and from house to house. So Paul did what he called house study, but also did public teaching, okay? So I think these are very important things we need to learn as believers that um, public study from the pulpit is good, but also one of the ways that I think the church needs to grow and advance in discipleship is also house to house. And I've promised this a lot of time. I think I'm going to take it up 2024 um, to be deliberate about cell groups, Bible cell groups, because it's very important that we learn on Sunday from the pulpit. But it's also good that we break it into bits. Now, because of the way I teach, I'm very wordy, not worthy, but wordy, W-O-R-D-Y. And because sometimes my words are very hefty from a theological perspective, it's good that we have like a weekly, maybe bi-weekly uh, cell groups, Bible study group, house-to-house -house group, if possible, or maybe online now, that things are even more digital, just to break that bread into bits. So I realized that Paul did both publicly and Paul did house-to-house. -house. I think house-to-house -house is also very important that we can encourage ourselves. The Bible says, testifying to the Jews and also the Greek, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. Repentance toward God and a faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And see, now I go bound in the Spirit to Jerusalem. So Paul is going to Jerusalem, um, not knowing the things that will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that the chains and tribulations are with me. So... Remember when Paul was um, going to persecute the church in Acts chapter number 9 at Damascus? When Ananias went to Paul when he was blind, the Lord said to Ananias that this one will suffer tribulation for my sake. Um, may I say that tribulation is part of the call. Another name for tribulation is called persecution. I do not get it anywhere where people feel like they will let you can you cannot over you cannot cast out tribulation. Tribulation is part of the package. For the believer, tribulation is part of the package. We we almost suffer tribulation. That's what Jesus said. That if they did it to him, they will do it to us as well. I am not sure in this amazing England or America, where a lot of Christians feel like tribulation that they're going through, that they are suffering, that as Christians they have to escape it. No. Tribulation is part of the package for the church. We cannot pray for long life, health, and then avoid tribulation. You know the reason why? Because God is glorified. Tribulation would always produce patience. Patience produces hope. Hope produces what? Perseverance and all. So, Bible says that the, it was prophesied that he would be persecuted. And in verse 24, but none of these things move me. Paul says, even though I know. But let me make it very clear. There is a difference between persecution and the consequences of poor life choices. Because what many people are suffering is not persecution. It's the consequences of what they chose. Poor life choices. Now, let's make it very clear. For persecution... You endure. For consequences, you exercise. Let me change the word. You expel. What I mean by that? For, for persecution, you persevere. That's the truth. For persecution, you need discipline to go through. 
But for poor life choices, you need deliverance. One of them is necessary for the Christian growth. The other is because a demon has come in. You're hearing? So just so that we know that not all tribulations that you go through are God's designed for you. Sometimes it's the result of the poor choices you make in your life. You following me? So don't blame it on, don't always, don't always blame it on, well, I'm going through persecution. But if you can flash back, you've done wrong. You've invested wrong. The reason why your business might be suffering is not because God is closing his heart, but because you've invested wrong. You've refused to listen to counsel. The reason why you might have a terrible relationship right now is because you actually, you've dated wrong. You refuse to listen to counsel. So let's make sure we differentiate between persecution and repercussion. Okay? Persecution and repercussion. But none of these things trouble me. Bible says, no, do I count my, my life dead to me? Paul, as Paul is giving to the gospel. It says, so that I may finish the race with joy and the ministry that I receive from the Lord to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And at some point in, 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 in Timothy, Paul would write, I have finished my race, I have run my course. And I think that should be our testimony. But Paul went on to say, so Paul was encouraging the leaders and saying to them, you know what, I've done everything within my power. But in verse 25, and indeed, now I know that you all, I know that you all, among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God, will see my face no more. That's not true. They will see his face one more time. We find out the first Timothy, but he's going to come back one more time. Bible says, verse 20 says, Therefore I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men. For I have not what I have, for I have not shown to declare to you the whole counsel of God. If there is anything that I want to live for, as a believer, as a leader, is to teach the whole counsel of God, not a partial biased theology, the whole counsel of God. I may not understand it, but I need to present it as the whole counsel of God. I will not bend the scripture to fit my preference. We teach the whole counsel of God. And that is the way that you take heed that no man deceives you. In chapter 24 of the book of Matthew, Jesus says, take heed that no man deceives you. Why? Because we realize that in the days that we are, there are trick, trickery of men, false doctrine of men, doctrines of demons, of Balaam and Nicolaitans. The only way that you have a sure guard of the revelation of Christ is the whole counsel of God, not half the whole. Are you hearing me, church? The whole counsel of God requires the whole armor of God. Are you hearing me? The whole counsel of God requires the whole armor of God. Therefore, take heed to yourself that unto all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, presbyteros. The word overseers means to presbyter, to guard, to help, to pastor, to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased. So since but our responsibility as pastors is to shepherd the church of God. The Brook Place is not my church. The Brook Place is God's church. My assignment is to shepherd the church. To shepherd the church of God. That word shepherd is from the word pasture, which means to feed. What I'm doing right now is feeding God's church. It's God's property that we purchased. Our duty as believers is that we are chefs. Our responsibility is to make food, breakfast, lunch, dinner, luncheon, you know, whatever you have in the middle, um, Desserts, you know, main 
an appetizer. We give you food. It's God's property, but as leaders, we feed you, right? For I know these. So if we say what Paul writes, Paul writes, you know, I know this that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you. These are external. I know that when I'm gone, because these guys at Ephesus are crazy guys, this table of Diana and Artemis, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. We are all flock of Christ. Savage wolves will come in, not sparing the flock from outside. All right, I want to do this right now. Bible says, and also from among yourselves, men will rise up speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after themselves. Wow. So Paul was warning. That's what Paul was warning. I'm going to, I'm going to draw this right now. Paul was warning. Here we go. Where's my screen? Right. Paul was warning that after his departure, savage wolves will come in, not sparing the flock, right? That's what he said, not sparing the flock. And some will even rise from inside. Now, remember, remember this guy by the name of Timothy, all right? Timothy was the bishop of the church of Ephesus, the first bishop of the church of Ephesus, okay? And 99% or 98% of the false prophets inside and outside, the savage wolves that came were actually from Ephesus. And Timothy will probably record that in the book of Timothy. I want to name, name about six of them for you, six of them for you who were savage wolves who came perversing the gospel of Christ, right? All right, let's roll. I'm going to name six of them for you right now who came perversing the gospel of Christ. Six of them. Now, if you have a pen, write down. Number one that you can remember is called Hymenus. H-Y, can I remember, is it M-E-N-E-U-S. And you find that in 1 Timothy chapter number 1, verse 20. The second one I can remember is called Alexander. Oh, that's also the same, same verse as well. Alexander, remember that? When Paul was writing to Timothy. Alexander, 1 Timothy, chapter number 1, verse 20. The caution of Alexander called them a cancer. Number 3, you have Phygelus, P-H-Y-G-E-L-L-U-S, I believe. And this guy, you find it in 2 Timothy, all in Timothy. 2 Timothy, chapter number 1, verse 15, because this is addressing the church of Ephesus. Then Hermogenes, this guy called Hermogenes, listen, Spend the time to look at these guys, you know. Alexander was Hamenos, Hermogenes, you know, uh, 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 you know, uh, Phalages. These guys, we are terrible guys, okay. This guy called Hermogenes is an interesting guy as well. You know, H-E-R-M-O-G-E-N-E-S. All right. This is the second Timothy, just take the scriptures. Chapter number one, verse 15. These two, we are grouped together. These two, we are grouped together as well. Keep going. The Phalaetus on that battle, that's crazy. That's in two verses later. Phalaetus is also in 2 Timothy chapter number 2, verse 17. And finally, Diotrephus. D-I-O-T-R-E-P-H-E-S. You'll find that in 3 John. Verse 9, chapter number 1, verse 
these were the guys. These were the six guys, right? If you can. Hermenus, First Timothy, chapter number one, verse number twenty. Alexander, actually, let me read. Not, not, as you're writing, I want to read it for you. First Timothy, chapter number one, verse number twenty. The last verse it says. I read from verse number 18. This charge I commit to you, my son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage a good warfare. Then it says, Having faith and good conscience, which some rejected concerning their faith, have suffered shipwreck, of whom they are Amenus and Alexander. See that? You find that in the scripture. Okay. Are you following church? Keep praying. So if you can have this, you are good to go. If you have this, you are good to go. Right, so we're going to go back again and look at the... Guys. Um, the last scriptures to see how we're going to end it today. Look at verse number 30. Also, from among yourselves... Wise men speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after themselves. Therefore, watch and remember that for three years I did not cease to warn you every night and days with tears. Now, hear me. These guys will go back and they will strengthen their house with doctrines. They will strengthen their church because of the Nicolaitans. Are you hearing me? Because the Nicolaitans will come later. If you look at the church of Ephesus, you read that in a moment. The church of Ephesus you realize that they were good, but only left their first love. The Bible says, So now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build up and give you an inheritance among those who are sanctified. Inheritances, inheritance is only for the sanctified. Now, inheritance is the word kleronomia. Kleronomia and kleronomio are two different words. Kleronomio means that you are saved. Oh, gosh. Bible says again, So now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build up and give you an inheritance among those who are sanctified, not justified. Inheritances are for sanctified people, not justified people. Inheritance is your reward. Okay? I, I want to draw it right down for you. When you hear the word inheritance, right? Now, inheritance is the word kleronomia, all right? Kleronomia means inheritance. However, kleronomio means just salvation. means that you are saved. Okay, this call is called saved or justified. Also decayo. Now, your justification is because you are saved. You believe what was done and you are saved. But your inheritance is always this is this is this is sanctification.
Your inheritance is always based on your sanctification. Now, justification means that you are saved, which means that you, you have been sealed with the Holy Spirit, chapter number 3 of Ephesians, with the Spirit of promise, you are sealed. So justification affords you heaven, means that you are saved. You are saved. You have eternal life. Now, this one gives you eternal life, justification. But what gives you reward is your sanctification. Does that make sense? The word kleronomia is that it's your inheritance, your reward, because you are sanctified. And what causes sanctification is your work with the Lord, which is your sancti- which, is, which produces couples fruits, right? So what Paul is saying here in this verse, I want you to know that what Paul is saying in this verse is that inheritance among those who are sanctified. Inheritance is among those who are sanctified. I have converted no man's silver or gold or apparel. Yes, you yourself know that these hands are provided for my necessities and for those who are with me. Aquila, Priscilla, they were all of the same trade. Chapter number 18. Bible says, I have shown you in every way by laboring like this. Paul was a worker. It didn't depend on the flock of the church. At some point, Titus will bring, Silas, Titus will, will bring some things from Philippi and all that. Bible says, is it Philippi now, Jerusalem? Bible says, I have shown you, yes, there was, a, there was, see, the, Timothy came to, from, from, Thessalonica, from Macedonia to Paul when he was at Berea and came with an offering, right? Bible says, I have shown you in every way by living like this that you must support the weak, support the weak, okay? And I think for us, for as believers, support your church, right? We labor to support the, the things of God, the advancement of the gospel, and remember the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. See what Paul says now. This is the part I want to open your eyes. Paul says, remember what the words of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is more blessed to give than to receive. It is the word of our Lord Jesus Christ. But guess what? You never find it anywhere in the Bible. We quote it everywhere. It is more blessed to give than to receive. It is the word of Jesus. But you never, you will never find Jesus say it in the Bible. It means therefore... There were a certain thing that Jesus said that is not documented in the text. I would not have access to. Doesn't mean the Bible is not sufficient. It's just not complete. Does that make sense? So Paul writes, you know, support the weak and remember the words of our Lord Jesus Christ that it is more blessed to give than to receive, which is true. We quote it, but it's not in the Bible. Did Jesus say that? Yes, but you never find it anywhere in the Bible. And this just shows you indeed that the Bible actually is not complete, but it is perfect. It's not complete, but it is sufficient. So we believe in the sufficiency of the Bible, not the completion of it. Alright, so we believe in biblical sufficiency and not the completion. Alright? So Bible says that Paul says, Paul encouraged them to give. And if you are here, you belong to a local church, we encourage you to give to your local church, right? It is more blessed. Jesus says that it is more blessed to give than to receive and when he had said these things he knelt down and prayed with them that's called intercession not just for them he knelt down and prayed with them intercession interceded with them all and they all wept freely and fell on paul's neck and kissed him sorrowing most of all the words which he spoke that they would see his face no more and they accompanied him to the sheep where malitus because he's going to go to Caesarea or Jerusalem. Now, that's how it ended. It ended with the leaders coming down to... Yeah. 
with a leader coming down to uh, Miletus. Now, if you take the time to look at the church of Ephesus. Now, I'm going to do something right now. The last thing in maybe two minutes is Re Revelation chapter number two. Let's see the church. Let's see the church. Uh, two. Let's see the church of Ephesus. How the report card was because Jesus gave them a report card. Right? Revelation chapter number two. We want to read right. Alright, so let's turn to Revelation chapter number 2 to look at the church of Ephesus. You were there, right? Let's read. I'm almost done. To the angel of the church of Ephesus, right? Now, now, now remember, Paul has spent three years with them, encouraged the leaders, called them from uh, um, Ephesus to Miletus because he didn't want the opera there. He cried and, and told them to be careful of the wolves that will come, the savage wolves from outside and from inside. Paul had cried on them and told them to support the weak and it is more blessed to give. That's what it says. So Jesus, this is this is actually like years later. This was about 85 to 90 AD. Bible says, to the angel of, of the pastor of the church of Ephesus write, this thing says he who holds the seven stars, this is Jesus' letter to them, in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. And my fear right now is that Ephesus, where is the lampstand today? I know your works, your labor, your patience, and you cannot bear those who are evil. Because guess what? Remember, the Bible says that Ephesus, they did evil to the way. They did evil to the way. You cannot bear those who are evil. Who are the evil ones? These Ephesians who did evil to the way. Diometrius did evil to the way. The silver smith did evil to the way. The guild, or what you call the trade union, did evil to the way. They rushed Paul and they brought out Alexander, you know, before did evil to the way. So Bible says that I know that you I know that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you hate, Bible says, and you have tested those who say that they are apostles and are not. So apparently, apparently, there were movements who came out from Ephesus. Some say that there were movements who came out under the Apollos kind of movement. That Apollo studied the whole move. We don't have a clue. I don't believe that. But there were people who were false. Bible says, who Bible says, who say that they are apostles and are not. Remember, you're gonna find a lady who says she's the prophetess, but she's not. Now, when Paul left, there was a problem. There were people who rose up and they said that they were the succession of those apostles, and they began to teach false doctrines. You read their name before, Alexander, Emmanuel, you know, Homogenes, you know, Philagios, you find all their names there, you know, Deltrephus, they're all there. The Bible says, and are not, and I found them liars. The Ephesian church found them liars, why? I didn't find a group or device named Doors, Doors Port Lives. That's my Alexa, always doing too much. But Paul, like read from scriptures, the Bible says that they found them to be like. How did they find them to be liars? Because Paul has spent time with them to tell them to watch. How did I know that? In chapter number 20. Let's go back again, chapter number 20. What did Paul says? Paul says, watch. Therefore, watch. See that? Paul says, watch. In chapter number 20 of the book of Acts. So these guys took unto the heeding of Paul. And they really washed. And because they have washed, the Bible says that they have found them to be liars in the book of Revelation. And have persevered and have patience. That's what Paul says. Because of their sufferings. 
and have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. Paul encouraged them, don't become weary. Work and give to the weak. Are you following? He says, nevertheless, I have this against you. So even though these guys at Ephesus have done an amazing job, they didn't finish the job. They didn't give a perfect job. Why? I have this against you that you have left your first love. They didn't lose it. They left it. What does that even mean? It means that they are fiery hunger. They spend so much time working for the king that they've lost devotion for the king. They spend so much time working on doctrine that they missed our devotion. They spend so much time watching for the Nicolaitans and these uh, Judaizers that are coming that they spend less time watching. They are watching for the Lord. Does that make sense? So they have spent time doing the business of the king, apostolic church, spent time having conferences, having events, but don't have relationship with the Lord. So the Lord says, you know what? You took the heed, you took the teachings of Paul. Well, guess what you've done? You've spent so much time watching that you've left devotion. So he said, I have this against you, that you have left, not lost. You cannot lose it once you get it because it's sealed. You're sealed. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, you take us when we read at Troas, how he fell. Repent. The word repent there, the word metanoia, which means to change your mind. Repent and do the first works. Hold on one minute. What are the first works? The very first works that Paul had told him. Repent and do the first work. The primary work of the believer is their devotion to the Lord. The first work is their service. It's not works by faith. It's not works by justification, by the way. It means do the first works, your love for people, your love for God. Your devotion to the things. Go back to the first thing. And I think this is also a message for all of us as well. We have to go back to the very first love we have for God. We've spent so much time on, on doctrines now than devotion. Bible says, Or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place. Unless you repent. But this you have, that you hate. Guess what they did? They hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I hate also. These guys at Ephesus hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans. Now, the Nicolaitans, a lot of people want to give the meaning of Nicolaitans and say they are from Nicholas, some, some group called the Nic from Nicholas. No. The word Nicolaitans is from two words, Nikayo Latos. Nikayo Lato. The word Nikayo means to overcome. Lato is from the word Lati. So this is the overcomers of the Lati or the oppressors of the church. You will love me later. Let me just help you today. So the Nicolaitans, like we wrote, I want to write now. All right, let me just actually put it there. The Nicolaitans, Nicolaitans, it's broken into two words: Nikayo, N I N I C A O, Nikayo, and L A I T O S, Latos. Now, Nikayo speaks of what overcomers. And later speaks of the laity, overcomers of the laity, overcomers of the pew, overcomers of the church. These are called the oppressors of the church or oppressors. That's what Paul warned them against, the savage wolves. Yeah. 
That's what Paul. That's what Paul addressed there. So I'm done, really, guys. I'm done. And finally, finally, Bible says you you hate the needs of these oppressors. He who has and hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give to heat from the tree of life, which is the midst of the paradise of God. Ladies and gentlemen, we have come to the close of the book of chapter numbers 19 and 20 of the book of Acts.